What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Daily Energy Newsbeat Stand-Up here on this gorgeous Monday, October 16th, 2023. As always, I'm your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Dallas, Texas, joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com. Stuart Turley, my man, how we doing today? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I woke up kind of frosty this morning. Oh, it feels great, Stu. I can't I can't describe to you. It feels absolutely great. But don't worry, the website is not frozen. We still have an absolutely banger of a show. <laughs> Stu's been hard at work this weekend, keeping it up. First up, Stu's favorite entrepreneur, Bill Gates, stuns audience by denying there is a climate crisis. Oh my goodness, Stu will dive into everything going on um, with one of his favorite tech leaders. Next up, the era of un questioned and unchallenged climate change claims is over. The tide is beginning to turn a little bit. Um, This is a great hour article um, by Alex Newman out of the Epoch Times. Next up, Bloomberg estimates economic cost of Iran-Israel conflict. Yeah, I mean, it's not good. We've already seen oil prices rise. Um, I think Bloomberg does a good job of breaking down, as Stu will cover exactly what this cost of this war will be. Next up, Treasury bond auction runs into weak demand amid fears that soaring U.S. debt will overwhelm Wall Street. Stu likes to add his own little hint to the title in there. De-dollarization. Is that at the root? Who knows? Nice little picture of Janet Yellen there. Um, Stu will quickly cover what happened in that Treasury bond auction and sort of how that ties in to what we're seeing throughout the flow of the show. Next up, we're going to go over to Russia. Russia's oil revenues surge. This is according to the IEA, who's who's probably about six months late on this. So thank you for thank you for stating the obvious. Um, but but nonetheless, a great article. I'll recall, um, actually showing what what those revenues look like. And then finally, Qatar warns that it will cut gas exports if the attacks on Gaza continue. What does this mean? to U.S. gas and LNG export. I mean, really, the fallout from what is going on in the conflict in the Middle East right now is absolutely insane and has an energy is oddly not at the root of it all, but one of the first one of the first things in the first order effects that could be affected by the fallout from this region. So as always, we will cover it all. Stu will quickly toss it over to me. I'll cover what happened on Friday. We really saw markets for commodities rise dramatically, oil up five percentage points on the WTI basis. We saw natural gas fumble a little bit, and then we'll quickly cover what rig counts look like. Like a little bit of a change. We saw a little bit of a rise. So good for the drillers. And I'll let you get on out of here and start your Monday again. But before we do all of that, guys, member articles and analyses you were about to hear are brought to you by the world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com. Check us out. Stu and the team do a great job of curating that website, making sure it stays up to speed with everything that you need to know on the energy and oil and gas business. You can email the show questions at energynewsbeat.com. You can hit the description below and see all the different articles. The best way to support the show is to subscribe to us on YouTube at Energy Newsbeat. Uh, We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. You can also listen to the show via directly on energynewsbeat.com. Check out our Substack. We're everywhere, guys. Follow Stu and I on LinkedIn. Um, also, we're starting our ENB Insider. This is a cool little beta program that we're testing. Email us or hit up Stu on LinkedIn. Hit me up on LinkedIn if you're interested. 
in being what we would like to say the tip of the spear of the energy news. We're calling in our EMB Insider Group. We'll probably get together five or six times just to test out a concept that we're thinking about doing in 2024, which is really going to put a select group of people on the tip of the spear when it comes to what's going on in the energy business and, and really kind of foster that more of that community feel we've heard from a lot of people that you guys want to connect with everybody. So hit us up, whether it's at LinkedIn, message Stu, you can message me. You can also email us questions at energynewsbeat.com to get a hold and find out about that. I'm out of breath though, Stu. Let's start us off. We we, we got to talk your favorite guy, Bill Gates. Oh, my goodness, uh, Michael. When I met Bill, you're tired of hearing this, but he came up to my shoulder and his glasses were as dirty as you possibly could. Take your glasses, throw them in the driveway, scuff them up. And here's his knothead standing there. He's like this. What a goob. All right, let's start off with Bill Gates. Stuns audience by denying there's a climate crisis. I'm going to just say this man's a chowderhead. Bill Gates, he's worth uh, estimated $7 billion, and he is questionable on his uh, business dealings. Quote, unquote, Michael. There's a lot of climate exaggeration, yep. said Gates at a recent event. The climate is not the end of the planet, so the planet is going to be just fine. What? <laughs> man where did this come from this is the same guy that was going around saying that we're gonna die and you gotta eat bugs and now we gotta kill everybody well, I mean, also wasn't he going, funding things to, to like cloud seeding wasn't he behind all of the yes, cloud seeding it, stuff where they're gonna shoot stuff into the atmosphere nuke the he's atmosphere to he's part save of the us world. all from climate change yeah he's part of the world economic forum and he wants to be all about control and so he's bought most of the a lot of farm he's the the biggest farm land owner in the United States so he can control food. I'm I'm serious. This guy, here's another quote. You can't have climate policy when one party's in charge goes full of uh, speed and then stops cold. These are 30-year investments in steel factories. Hey, okay. My, uh, my question is so what's his incentive for saying this? You're uh, right. He was trying. He He's amassed this farm, this largest private farm land, because he says that, you know, conventional farming methods have a negative impact on the environment. He's come out and said climate change previously would be responsible for more human deaths than COVID. That was pre-2020. My question is, what incentive now does he have to say this? Now, you know, he's a smart guy. He probably knew this all along. The question is what, in my opinion, what financial incentive does he have now to make this decision? Is he now it, looking at funding other sources like, say, you know, is he in on compressed natural gas? Is he going to go buy all the, the stuff that's that's collecting vapors over landfills? We talked about the stuff that BP's doing. Is right. there, in my opinion, there's got to be some financial incentive. Follow the money. Pushing. Yeah, exactly. So my question is, it'd be interesting to see what investments he's made recently. Uh, he's made a couple of them and they are not in the I'm going to have more information on this. But here's here's where you have to look at the head of the W.E. World Economic Forum said, oh, by the way, um, people are waking up and they're not taking the shots. We've lost control of the shots. We've also hang on, dude. And I know. And, and we got to find a new way. Bill Gates is the tip of the spear. And I guarantee you, watch what he does. Okay. I see. Now, a shill for Klaus Schwab. All right. What's next? Let's go to the next one here. I love the uh, Epoch Times here. Yes. Uh, this one is uh, the authors of the papers are being attacked and say that activist scientists threaten the new findings are aggressively conducting orchestrated disinformation to discredit the papers and scientific reputation of the authors. 
Uh, here's a quote out of here. Uh, William Happer, Princeton uh, professor uh, of physics. Physics matter, Michael, uh, believe it or not. Ooh, um, and of course, the climate cult will be dismissive of any information, no matter how scientifically correct that is the polit- that is politically incorrect. It is, he was now ridiculed, Mr. Mann, for the famous hockey stick graft uh, showing massive man-made warming. If Bill Gates is coming out and this guy is getting attacked for physics, Bill Gates is admitting it. That is really critical when you take a look at the, the papers, even NASA, director of NASA Goddard Institute for Space Studies, I uh, is now got another one, Mister. Uh, he says he mocked Greenpeace's Patrick Moore, saying that there was more blank, blank, blank going around uh, talking about bad things. Well, there's still going to be a big fight going on. Yeah, I think it's important to say. So, what are these studies saying? So, let's just, I, 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 you know, I, I love looking at this stuff. This is in the research of astronomy and astrophysics, Stu. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, you got like 14 people on this paper from all over the country. What does this abstract say? Since 2007, the IPCC or the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has heavily relied on the comparison between global climate hindcasts and global surface temperatures estimates for concluding that the post 1950s global warming is mostly human cause. In Conley 20 et al. paper they wrote in 2021, we cautioned this approach to detection and the attribution of climate change was highly dependent on the choice of solar, of total solar interference, blah, blah, blah. Here's what they say. And at the end of it, Therefore, it is still unclear whether observed warming is mostly human caused, mostly natural or some combination of the both. The problem is we can admit on our side. Yeah, we don't really know what the cause is, but they can't on the other side admit the same thing. And that's why we'll never be able to come to an actual consensus and move forward, because you've got one side who doesn't who can't even acknowledge the science that's out there right now. Exactly. And uh, I have interviewed now twice Dr. Moore. Yes, he was just mentioned. Unbelievable. Uh, That one just went out on X uh, as an update the other day. And so everybody can go see it out on X. Now, here's the other one. I interviewed Miss Curry. She, Judith Curry, and she was the author of Climate Uncertainty and Risk. She was phenomenal on the podcast, Michael. So when you start having a nice little footprint like we have on the Energy News Beat, it's kind of nice when all these articles are written by people. We've interviewed a bunch yeah. of these. So people. I think, again, the point of all this is the consensus that everybody thinks climate change is going to kill us in 10 years. There's cracks in it. Now, There's the question cracks. is. It, we, we're going to still have to follow the money on this, but at least from the standpoint of the consensus, you can tell is beginning to shift a little bit. And that's great. Oh, it is. Hey, let's go to the the war here. Um, uh, Bloomberg estimates economic cost of the Iran-Israel uh, conflict. Again, I just want to say our hearts and prayers go out yep. to the entire area on this. Here's the worst case scenario. The world would be plunged into a recession and lose $1 trillion in GDP. Right now, Michael, $1 trillion in GDP spread out between the countries. Countries are on the edge because of printing money. You know how I feel about printing money. And we are facing already. Here's a couple quotes in here. Uh, Bloomberg economics analyst, well, these three scenarios... The wider conflict, the spreads, the more it impacts becomes global rather than regional. Conflict in the Middle East can send tremors through the world because the region is a crucial supplier of energy and a key shipping passage. Uh, and one other key in here for another an al- analysis, the 
spare production capacity in Saudi Arabia and the UAE may not save the day if Iran decides to close the Strait Hermos, through which one fifth of the world's daily oil supplies pass. There'd also be an extreme risk off shift in the financial markets. I mean, okay. So to answer the question, what's the worst case scenario? That right there. Yep. The closing of the Strait of Hormuz would be horrible in terms of short term oil prices. Oil's at 87 now. You'd see 100, in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, and and here's and I talked about 150, this. maybe I don't know. It, it would short be a lot. Term. You'd see I, I don't a large think. jump. I talked about this, the trifecta of retro, and I've talked to several other experts over the weekend. You have the one if Israel takes out the export facilities for and the downstream capabilities in Iran. We have a chowderhead in Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham, call for the United States to do that. Yeah, that's that's that that's, is that, that's almost that's criminal in my opinion. You want to put us in a war? Not criminal, but I mean, holy shit! I read that, I got a shiver. I said, "Oh man, they want a nuclear war with Iran right now." What a, he is the ultimate chowderhead. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, okay, so if that happens, step one, if because uh, they've sold thirty billion dollars worth of oil just to China, but they now have over seventy billion in their coffers. The only export they have is oil. So that's a lot. So now if uh, Iran counters and they mine the uh, Strait of Hermos, that is huge. Those two items are going to cause those two single items. Here's the other uh, third piece of this. They, You and I talked about this a little bit. That is uh, in the Club Med, a little bit more data on Club Med, the uh, Leviathan field that Israel uh, is really got some, uh, they've got production out of, and it goes to Egypt. The Egypt natural gas has spare capacity in order to export LNG. What's going around the rest of the world with LNG? Very, very important. So the only way for Israel to ship natural gas to the market is through Egypt. Ah, here's a really big issue. You have Turkey and Cyprus fighting over the border wall like you and I talked about for years. It's now surfaced again. So if they're taking that off, Israel is, I mean, um, Egypt is going to lose 20% of their energy, which is done by natural gas. Wow. I mean, all of those three things are like, holy smokes. Okay. What do you think? Well, I, I guess the real question is, you mentioned at the beginning of this, the beginning of this segment that with the current, you know, uh, this one trillion in GDP would absolutely cripple these economies if only because of the fact that we've been printing money up to this point and everybody is already on the brink. You have this interesting article talking about the Treasury bond auction that ran last week. Yes. What does that have to do with all of this? Okay, let's take a look at it. And there's some, this goes back to bricks. We're not going to jump into bricks. We've covered bricks a lot, but the U.S. I'm still mad tw- we're not in bricks, but that's the case. Uh, this podcast was destined for bricks, and now we're now we're not. We're going to take the bricks credit card though for sponsors. So, yes, that we will. Um, the article, uh, Michael, that we're talking about is Treasury bond auction runs into weak demand amid fears that the soaring U.S. debt will overwhelm Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes, Michael. The U.S. sold 20 billion of 30 year bonds, but the dealers had to take up 
more supply than uh, they did. Normally, that's about a 5% is what the huge difference was. 18 is is what they did. And normally, they only buy about 11%. China has bought over the years a lot of our debt. And this is how we fund a lot of things mm-hmm. is through the treasury bills or T-bills. So uh, yield right now on the 30-year treasury jumped 12 basis points to 4.856. I've been watching some of the big guys and they'll take 5% money every day and they'll get out of the stock market, Michael. So if they can get 5%, they don't care. They're just going to go park their money and let it sit there because they're not going to get hurt at 5% money. So... This is just another sign that energy and finance is all related, Michael. Yeah. Well, again, I think the other interesting part is you're seeing the more we're having to sell bonds, and that means there's, you know, again, more cash. The the Fed is getting more cash. And so the, what's the government doing? The government's spending that money in, in doing everything, increasing the cash supply. So this all comes back to if now all of a sudden there's this huge global World War Three. where are the, bond, the bonds that we would sell have already been sold. We've already spent the money. So they're going to have to print the money in order to keep up with it. And we know that it's, it's the sick cycle we've been in. The Fed has sort of taken a stance as it leads later down in this article. They're, they're not dubbing it quantitative tightening, but it's what they're doing. They're not buying as many uh, bonds as they used to. So which means they're not reinvesting their proceeds from these longer term assets into the shorter term assets by which reducing their balance sheet. So they're they're doing an okay job of that. The problem is in order to keep this up, we're going to have to keep printing more money, which we've seen that leads to inflation. So it all loops into a a global war. If if you thought inflation was bad now, buckle up, buckle up. Let's talk Russia. Um, yeah, this is also I just real quick. There's one other story in here. Qatar uh, to cut gas export of attacks on Gaza uh, continue. There's really nothing in here mm-hmm. other than Qatar uh, is now saying, hey, if it keeps going, they're going to cut LNG exports off. And then yeah, Hamas and Iran are meeting in Qatar yesterday so that they can help get more things going. So that is the only reason we're going to talk into, about that one. So buckle up on that. Yeah, no okay. kidding. Let's go to Russia's oil revenue surge. This is from the IEA, Michael. Russia, listen to this, Michael. $18.8 billion from uh, oil exports last month. As last September was the most profitable month since July of 2022. How's them sanctions working out for you, Putin? <laughs> well, it, it's got something to do with the price deck. I mean, oil was up last month, but yes, it at the level at which Russia sells oil, price actually has less ish to do with it, but more in terms of how much raw exports and the volume that's actually going out. Right. There's some numbers here that the IEA put out, and that is uh, the agency estimates show that the country total exports surged on an average of 460,000 barrels per day uh, month on month, with crude accounting for 250,000 barrels per day of the increase. Pretty crazy. Michael, you and I talked about Russia banning their exports on diesel and refined products. They lifted that ban. So they've fixed their internal. And so they they can now ship again uh, on that. China Um, and India still biggest buyers. But I'm glad the IE came to this conclusion about six months past why we all really knew what was going on. Oh, yeah. Where do you think oil is going to end up in the next 30 days? 
Oh, that's just, just, just throw a, throw a dart on a dartboard and that's what it'll be. I, I don't know if I have a good answer. I don't think it's going down from here. I don't think you're going to see $50 oil. I think $150 oil is more likely than $50 oil. But right. I, until I see $150 on a price chart, I, I'm going to, it's going to be hard pressed for me to say, yeah, $150 oil. We saw last year, yeah. we saw a hundred and, or it was it. Yes. Last about June, July, 2022, yeah. we saw $120 oil, uh, 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 you know, at, at, at one point. Now we don't only saw for a little bit, prices then decline from there. It'll be interesting to see if we can reach that. I mean, if any one of those three scenarios that we talked about in that Bloomberg um, article come true, you'll, you'll see right. a huge increase. If the straighter or mood closes, it's all, we've now shifted from fundamentals to geopolitical. Yes, there's a fundamentals of supply and demand and, and all of the stuff going around there. But I think the sentiment on where oil prices go is now swung back geopolitically into a short term, hey, where are What's affecting that underlying supply and demand versus, you know, no one's waiting for the IEA to come out and say, you know, this IEA report isn't moving prices as it might if there wasn't so much geopolitical tension. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Unbelievable. Very, very unbelievable. So you got anything else for us? No, buckle up. The consumers get it in the drive through. Yeah, well, we'll we'll go ahead and quickly cover what happened last Friday um, in the oil and gas markets. We'll start just in the, the overall markets. S&P S- 500 dropped about a half a percentage point. NASDAQ tumbles about 1.25 percentage points, mainly off the back of some poor IPO performance. Um, feel sorry for everybody who decided who thought they were going to buy Birkenstock. What a dumb idea. WTI crude oil up 5.75 percentage points, uh, 87.69. Uh, Brent oil only up about 1.75 percentage points, currently trading 91.18. Natural gas, $3.32. That's actually a 3% drop, mainly again off the back of some some cooler weather beginning to 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 to, to rolls in, to uh roll in and so as people begin to roll over and we begin to start drawing um from our reserves it'll be very interesting to see um what happens with prices how much natural gas will go on the oil side mainly what again we're seeing prices that big five and a half price um jump is off the back of of, of the tension going on with 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 the Israeli Hamas uh, Iran conflict so. It's anybody's guess. As we mentioned, where prices are going to go from here, I'd be remiss to say if we, if we didn't quickly know that you know we did see a th- a, uh, an increase on the rig count of about three uh, to six hundred and twenty two for the U.S. Uh, Canada had plus thirteen. Internationally, you're still dropping twelve, which is interesting. I, I think the, the the more important number is that that three rig count increase from the United States is is still down about one hundred forty seven from where it was last year, but. I think it's going to be interesting to see now if rig count begins to turn itself around amid this, what is going, what is considered. I mean, you asked me what I, you think prices are going to be. What do you think, Stu, prices are going to be? Um, I always hate it when you do a nice political move like that, Michael, well done, you know, well, what do you think? (laughs) Well, no, if you think prices are going to $200, rig count better be jumping by 20. We we're to count at 622. Everything's economic at $200. We should have a 400. We, we should see an increase of 400 rigs. That's my thing. If prices are, if everybody thinks prices are going to 150, why are there not rigs being deployed by the, the tens over week over week? Really soft. That's a great question. Week. That's a great question, Michael. And I think regulator uh, legislation through regulations, people are in fear right now of that. I disagree. I actually disagree. disagree. I think I think it's a sh- I think it's a sign that all of those thousand double economic premium locations that every M&A deal that we've talked about has yep. has garnered. Oh, my goodness. We just bought four thousand locations. Yeah, they've got three. <laughs> that's what the, I mean. That's how I look at it. I like your attitude. Hey, so, speaking of that, I'm looking forward to our new series coming up. 
We do have a great series coming up. Deal of the week. It's going to be really fun. Um, it, it may not be deal of the week. It'd probably be more like deal every other week. <laughs> we're going to have to come up with a name because the goal is to dive in a little bit deeper to a lot of these M&A deals that we're covering and kind of break down, you know, okay, let's say, for example, this Civitas Venser Energy deal, $2.6 billion. Right. Did they overpay? We're not necessarily going to be able to answer, did they overpay? But we're going to be able to give an idea on, here's how you would go about thinking about that, or here's how you would break it down. And and, and, and we'll do some smaller deals. Definitely want to dive in and cover minerals deals, but but look for that. We're really excited to, to announce some partnerships with some great companies that, are, that make this process really simple and streamline right. it. And the goal is a workflow, a standard workflow that you run every deal through so that you can compare deal over deal. Because you need to be able to compare in you know, if you're an A&D shop, apples to apples, you don't need to be be, be be comparing one workflow and one deal with another deal, but a different workflow because the how you build your workflow depends on how you the what lens you see that with it. And that's all the stuff we're going to get into. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be available right. everywhere. We're kind of working out the, the, the final, final details. So we'll announce, be able to announce some things, hopefully in the next couple weeks, but stay tuned for that, guys. Uh, We got to come up with a better name than deal of every other week, but we'll come up with something (laughs) catchy, but we hope you guys enjoy that. I'm I'm looking forward to that, Stu. I'll tell you what, that'll be fun. Yeah, I'm also looking forward to being in the Permian show this week and uh, interviewing a bunch of people lined up. Got a, uh, also with Mark Pearlberg, uh, CPA, taxes, and uh, RT talking about EMP taxes and saving money. RT Trevino, we love us some Pecos country operating. Yes, we do. So, all right, guys. Well, with that, hope we will let you get back to what hopefully is not that many meetings on a Monday, but stay strong, guys. You got this. It's actually only a four-day work week for me. I'll be out Friday. We don't really do anything recording on Friday, so you'll still hear me all of these days, but stay strong. Four or five-day week, it doesn't matter. Stay strong, folks. We'll be with you all week. For Stuart Turley, I'm Michael Tanner. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. 